Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Good day, everyone. This is Locked on ACC, February 6th, 2020. I am Brian Wilmer of FB Schedules and College Hoops Digest. I'm your host. Another day to talk about ACC sports, but before we do, just very briefly, the uh, weather here in the ACC footprint is ridiculous at the moment. Uh, I am based in South Carolina, as we've established on the program. There have been tornadoes in parts of South Carolina. There have been tornadoes in parts of North Carolina. Uh, trees are down all over the place. Roads are flooded, et cetera, et cetera. So please, if you are out and about anywhere in ACC territory today, please be careful. I beg you. You've heard the whole turn around, don't drown stuff ever since you were two years old. But if you are driving through a flooded area, please don't chance it. Check on friends, loved ones, whatever that may be in the footprint. If you are not, if you are, thoughts and prayers to you, and may you emerge from all of this nonsense safely. Now, onto the program. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at LockedOnACC. You can also email us, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. Again, if you have voice memos you want to send us, you can do that. Just keep them fairly short, keep them clean, make them of value. You can tweet the program, whatever you'd like to do. Kind of an abbreviated program today because of the weather and various other things. We'll talk about last night's basketball action. Look at the ACC baseball projections. And we have another hashtag GoACC story because after the way this day has been, we deserve to close it on kind of a light note. So we'll do that. We'll start the first segment by looking at two games. Then we'll look at the other two in segment two. First of all, Notre Dame beat Pittsburgh 80-72, to a game that basically it had to have to stay in the ACC race. If Notre Dame loses that game, they're done. They're not really in great shape as it is, but as Mike Bray said last night after the game, he sat down and said, we're within shouting distance. Had to be a fairly loud shout, but they are within shouting distance. The score of the game, though, looks a bit tighter than it actually was. Pitt closed the game on a 7-0 burst over the final 148. It was 80-65 to at that point. Notre Dame didn't score over the final 204 of the game. TJ Gibbs was the high man among four Irish scorers in doubles. He scored 21, knocked down 8 of 13 from the field, 5 of 8 from 3. John Mooney, another double-double for the Irish. He had 17 points and 10 of Notre Dame's 40 boards. Juwan Durham and Nate Leshesky had 11 apiece. Durham... Got quite a bit of mention in last night's uh, presser as well. Bray was very impressed with his effort. Pitt had just nine turnovers, but never really got back over the hump. There was one point in the second half. The Panthers had cut it to five after Trey McGowan's knocked down two free throws. But then just eight minutes later, Notre Dame was up 19. That's really kind of how the game went. Freshman Justin Champagne paced Pitt. He had a double-double as well, 20 points, 11 boards. But he had just eight of 20 in shooting from the field. Xavier Johnson and McGowan's both had five of nine efforts from the field. Johnson finished with 17. McGowan's had 15 on the evening. Quick statistical look at this game because, again, the statistics lie a bit. Pittsburgh shot 42%, 26 of 62. Notre Dame, 46%, 30 of 65. 
Pitt knocked down 42% of its threes, 8 of 19. Notre Dame, 10 of 27, 37%. Pittsburgh, 12 of 16 from the line, 75%. Notre Dame, 10 of 12, 83%. Pittsburgh committed nine turnovers, as we mentioned, led to seven Notre Dame points. Notre Dame turned it over 12 times, 12 Pittsburgh points off those miscues. Notre Dame snagged 40 boards, as I mentioned. 15 of those offensive. Pitt grabbed 34-12 offensive. Both teams blocked five shots. Pittsburgh had eight steals, Notre Dame five. And Notre Dame dished out 19 dimes on 30 makes. Pittsburgh assisted on half of its baskets. I'm not sure that we necessarily thought of Pittsburgh as an NCAA tournament team before last night's game. They're still alive for a postseason spot. I just, I'm not sure that they're going to be an NCAA team. Notre Dame still might not be, but they are still alive for that kind of consideration. The other game we'll take a look at in this first segment, Virginia 51, Clemson 44. I kind of posted sarcastically last night on Twitter. Again, my personal Twitter, at Sports Matters, if you want to follow along with that for all things ACC and non-ACC. The gif of Jarrett Jack of the Knicks throwing a full-court shot attempt about 30, 40 feet over the basket into the crowd as highlights of this Virginia-Clemson game. It was rough. Virginia, though, as has become its M.O., did just enough to win the game. The interesting storyline out of last night, Braxton Key snapped out of a bit of a slump. He had 19, and what a time for him to do so. Virginia has been in desperate need of scoring, especially last night. Clemson had gotten the game back to within two at 36-34 late. Yes, I said 36-34 late. And Key splashed a triple that ran their lead back to five. Clemson again knocked the lead back down to a single possession a bit later. 42-39, and then Key canned another tray that would provide the eventual dagger for this game. Tony Bennett had the following to say about Key's performance last night. Tony got four three-pointers tonight from Braxton, including a couple really big ones late. He had been shooting very poorly from outside this season. What did you kind of talk to him about during his slump, and what did he do differently tonight mechanically? He made them. <laughs> very astute observation that, uh, no, he, um, we needed those. As we've said, you get to these points where, you know, we played some really good basketball, defended uh, for the most part well, and then their zone – their matchup 3-2 or what have you gave us some trouble, and you do have to stick some shots. But we were sort of spinning the wheel trying to figure out, well, can we run this action against it? And they did a good job matching up. And you just need, sometimes it gets to that point, so I'm going to jump up and make a shot or make a big play. And Braxton did that twice, and, and we certainly needed it because we had a couple when we gave up a free throw rebound and had that double dribble um, and a turnover late. And they started closing that gap. Um, he bailed us out, so he um, I thought, he, as Mike said, the G-man said he had a terrific second half. And I thought we were sharp defensively, especially in the first half, and, and it seemed solid in the second half, but they also made some plays. Tony, obviously the three-pointer Braxton made when it was 36-34 was big. Then when it was 42-39, how much more confidence does a player have to shoot that shot again when you guys need another basket? Yeah, I think so. And, um, you know, even he's, he knocked some free throws, went in too. Um, you know, you go back to the Wake Forest game where he really struggled from the floor and the line. And, you know, and he's he took, for the most part, they were the right shots. He missed some layups early, and you saw that. But um, for sure, it's it's rhythm, it's confidence. And, he, you know, he saw one go in, and he took them. And, you know, again, it, 
it was really big. And I, I want to mention Jay because I thought Jay did a real good job with his length um, with four blocks again and grabbed some rebounds and, and made some nice plays. That's a hard matchup for our big guys because Amir can really step out and shoot the three. And as Mac as well, he didn't shoot it as well. But those, those guys that screen and separate are tough. So um, I thought our, our bigs did a pretty good job defensively. And Jay was very effective. But the confidence factor, for sure, it's just you make one. All of a sudden, the free throw feels good and the rhythm on the shot. And we've been battling that all year, you know, trying to just will one in. And um, hopefully, that's a sign of things to come. I wish I could promise you that, but I can't. <laughs> you heard him mention Jay there, Jay Huff, one of two big guys that had really big nights for UVA, such as it is. Huff and Mamadi Diakite combined for 23 points, 18 boards, and six blocks. However, wasn't all candy and roses for the Who's UVA had just 17 of 48 from the field. As good as Huff and Diakite were, the rest of the Cavs' offense was 3 of 17 from the floor, attempted just three free throws, hitting one. Clemson, believe it or not, was actually worse. They hit 17 of 52 tries from the field. They were a startling 6 of 28 from three. Even more concerning if you're a Clemson fan, Just four players scored for the Tigers. Four. Three of them in double figures. Amir Sims had 16. Alamir Dawes, 11. Tevin Mack had 10. But those three players combined to go 14 for 38 from the field against Virginia. The win marking Virginia's 10th in a row against the Tigers. So there's half of last night's ACC basketball action. The other half coming up right after this break come back and go over the rest of ACC basketball and a little bit, a little bit of baseball too. You're listening to Locked On ACC. Welcome back to Locked On ACC. Segment 2, February 6th, 2020 as thunder rages outside of the Locked On ACC studios. Half of the ACC basketball action from last night down, half to go. We'll start in Miami for the second half of the ACC coverage from last night. NC State beat Miami 83-72. C.J. Bryce had a double-double for State. He had 22 points and snagged 11 boards in 39 minutes. There were four additional Wolfpack scorers who joined him in doubles. Markel Johnson also had a double-double. He had 19 points and 12 dimes. Devin Daniels and Braxton Beverly had 14 apiece. Manny Bates added 10 for the pack. Bates was 5 of 5 from the floor, also grabbed 7 rebounds. Greater than half of State's points came in the paint. The pack marked 42 points in the blocks. State snagged 9 offensive boards that led to 11 second-chance points. However, they surrendered 15 offensive boards to the Canes, and that led to 16 putback points for Miami. Harlan Beverly and DJ Vasilovich played 40 minutes apiece. They combined for 38 points. However, they hit just 14 of 34 tries from the field. Vasilovich was 7 of 22 on field goal tries, 3 of 14 from distance. Isaiah Wong had 12 in 39 minutes for the Canes. Miami snagged 40 caroms, including the 15 offensive boards. Miami trailed by 12 at the half. They hit just 1 of 6 from beyond the arc in that first half. Worse than that, they were 5 of 23 for the game. They were 5 of 12 from the line in the opening stanza. Again, free throws. How many times have we said this in this first week of the program? 
Sure, that doesn't make up the entire deficit, but if you hit six or seven in the first half that you missed, different game. We talked about Miami's taxed bench and their various challenges due to injuries and other things. Their bench contributed just 37 combined minutes last night. We mentioned Beverly and Vasilovic playing 40 minutes each. Rough finish for the Canes. They are 1-6 and six over their last seven for Jim Laranega's club. And then <laughs> the main event, such as it is. Louisville, 86, Wake Forest, 76. If you hadn't followed this game and just heard the score, you're thinking to yourself, oh, okay, that makes sense. Not so much. We could call this a number of things. Like I say, if you just heard the score, it makes sense. But in reality, there's not much to call this other than a complete collapse by the Deeks. Wake had a 15-point lead at one point in the first half. They led by 12 at the interval. It was 46-34 at the half. Wake shot 60% in the first half and 30% in the second half. Let me repeat that. They shot 60% in the first half, 30 in the second half. Our good buddy Connor O'Neill of the Winston-Salem Journal, we've crossed paths with him several times, points out that Wake is 0-11 in ACC play over the last three seasons following a win. You wonder why Wake's program can't get any momentum. You wonder why people have called for Danny Manning's job. You wonder why people have kind of turned away from Wake Forest's program. They, there's not really any momentum. That's why. You can't even keep a winning streak together. Connor also has another note. Wake Forest was seeking consecutive ACC wins for the first time since the end of the 2017 season when the Deacons won their last three games of the regular season. The Deeks also haven't beaten a top-five team since March 5, 2014. That was a win over then-number-four Duke in what turned out to be Jeff Bizdelic's final home game as Wake Forest coach. This is another frightening statistic that Connor provides. Listen to this. Wake Forest is 6-45 and 45 in ACC road games under Manning in his sixth season. 51 road games under Manning, they've won six. One per year. Louisville kind of put this game away. They went on a 20-2 run early in the second half. They flipped a 14-point deficit into a four-point lead. Jordan Wara's transition dunk gave the Cards a 52-51 lead with 14-52 remaining, and Wake never regained the advantage. Andrian White, the Charlotte transfer, paced the Deeks. He had 17. He was 6 of 12 from the floor, 5 of 9 from 3. Olivier Saar poured in 16 in 25 minutes. Brandon Childress added 14. Childress, though, was just 4 of 15 from the field and 2 of 9 from 3. Six Cardinals finished in double figures. They scored 84 of Louisville's 86 points. Wara led everybody. He had 21 points and 7 boards. Dwayne Sutton, the UNC Asheville transfer, Notched a double-double. He scored 15, snared 11 boards. Lamar Kimball totaled 14. Ryan McMahon, 12. And Stephen Enoch and Malik Williams had 11 apiece. Folks, the situation in Winston is just bad. And at this point, I'm not sure how you fix the program. There was a lot of conversation around Wes Miller of UNCG possibly going up there. He's a big Wake Forest ties guy. Pat Kelsey at Winthrop, same thing, although I would be surprised if Kelsey went up there at this point. I'm not sure, aside from name, facilities, that kind of thing, I'm not sure how much of an upgrade on the court Wake is. 
which is sad to say. There'll be a lot of people interested in that job if it opens for obvious reasons. But you can't keep on like this. This is program malfeasance at this point. Just a sad situation for what was once a proud program. On that note, let's go ahead and take the final break of the program. We'll come back, take a look at how the ACC baseball projections break out. Also, a hashtag GoACC story. You're listening to Locked on ACC. Welcome back to Locked on ACC, February 6th, 2020. Final segment of the program. Let's talk a little more baseball. We've mentioned baseball starts next week. Now we have projections for how everybody is slated to finish. The coaches have cast their votes for the winners of the ACC. Louisville, as you might imagine, picked to win the whole thing. Louisville picked to win the Atlantic, obviously. Miami picked to win the Coastal. Louisville got 97 points from the coaches. 13 first-place votes. Miami, 92 points. 12 first-place votes. Taking a look around the league, in the Atlantic Division, once you get past Louisville, Florida State picked to finish second, 79 points. NC State third, 68 points. Clemson and Wake Forest tied for fourth, 52 points apiece. Clemson got the other first place vote in the Atlantic Division. BC picked to finish sixth. Notre Dame with new coach Link Jarrett picked to finish seventh in the Atlantic, 17 points. Aside from Miami and the Coastal, North Carolina picked to finish second. They got a first place vote, 68 points. Georgia Tech picked to finish third. They got a first place vote, 66 points. Duke picked to finish fourth, 65 points. Then on to Virginia, 55 points, picked to finish fifth. Virginia Tech picked to finish sixth. They got 24 points. And Pittsburgh picked to finish seventh. In the Coastal Division, they got 18 points. Louisville, the conference favorite. Again, ACC Baseball gets started next Friday. First pitch, 11 a.m. for the conference. A lot of those games will be broadcast over various outlets. You can check out whatever you would like as the ACC baseball season gets underway. We'll talk more about it as the season approaches. Finally today, a couple of hashtag GoACC stories because we need it. First, Dateline Geneseo, New York. Hi, Syracuse. A woman from Warsaw was arrested after Livingston County Sheriff's deputies said she stole thousands of dollars worth of cigarettes from her employer. Deputies were called to investigate at a convenience store in Geneseo. Investigators found that Deborah Gelser, 48, allegedly stole 240 packs of Newport cigarettes from the store from January through December of 2019. These cigarettes were worth nearly $2,900. Gelser was arrested and charged with fourth-degree grand larceny. Gelser was given an appearance ticket and is scheduled to return to Geneseo Town Court. I know cigarette prices are high. I don't smoke, but good grief. Then finally... Not necessarily a hashtag GoECC story, but we have Valentine's Day coming up. Baseball starts on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day kind of signals the winding down of the ACC basketball slate. If you are in a relationship of any sort, you know that Valentine's Day is coming up. You may be thinking to yourself, I have no idea what to get my significant other for Valentine's Day. Or maybe you want to commemorate a prior significant other. Whatever you may want to do, the San Antonio Zoo has you covered. 
Dateline, San Antonio, obviously. The zoo is taking a page out of the revenge book as it announced it will host its first Cry Me a Cockroach event this Valentine's Day. The event, similar to the one the El Paso Zoo hosted last year, will allow you to purchase a live cockroach as employees will serve it to one of their animals. Yeah. If your ex was a snake, you can even purchase a rat, which would then be fed to a reptile. After checkout, you will be allowed to name whatever you fed the animal after your ex, which will then be noted on an official certificate you can share online. There's just so many places to go with this. I I better not. The San Antonio Zoo will live stream the event, so if you want to watch the various animals being fed, whatever you named after your ex or whatever, you have the opportunity to do that. If you're wondering what the price is for this, cockroaches will run $5. Rats are $25. You can buy them online, so if you're not in San Antonio and you really want to watch something named after your ex being fed to an animal, fear not. You don't have to add the price of a plane ticket to go down there and do that. You can do it online. You can watch the thing be eaten. I've heard of all kinds of creative Valentine's Day gifts I I have. I've not heard of that. Although, as they said, they did this in El Paso last year. The event last year would allow you to name a cockroach after your ex. It would then be fed to their meerkats. Wow. Look at it this way. It's cheaper than roses, I guess. And hey, on that note, probably safer to go ahead and wind down the program. This has been Locked on ACC, February 6, 2020. Join us back here tomorrow. We'll break down the weekend's basketball slate and much more. Again, at Locked on ACC on Twitter. Until tomorrow, this has been Locked on ACC. Be safe, everyone. See you tomorrow. Love you. Mean it. (laughs)